Every day is a competition against your pride, comfort zone, fear, complacency, snooze alarms, bad habits, bad relationships, and more. This podcast is for the ambitious, willing to compete every day to make an impact in their career, health, relationships, and life. Each week, Compete Every Day founder Jake Thompson interviews leaders in business, fitness, psychology, and sports to explore what championship performers can teach us about making winning changes in life. In life. By listening today, you're deciding to start competing for your best life. What's up, competitors? Welcome back. Fresh episode of the Compete Everyday Podcast. And today, I'm excited to get to welcome in Order of Man founder, Ryan Mickler. Ryan and I got connected a handful of years ago. And man, it's been a great chance getting to follow his work as he builds just his iron council of incredibly strong men looking to lead not only their work, but their families and in life. And Ryan is continuing to invest in these guys through Order of Man, through the Iron Council. And today we sit down and talk about how he got started, his entrepreneurial journey, but really how he's teaching a lot of the lessons he's using in the Order of Man and the Iron Council to his boys, as well as his daughter. And why it's important to teach both of them the lessons uh, from that, but and how he has to teach it differently, why it matters that he teaches each of them differently. Before we dive into the show, you think I'm going to remind you about our free Facebook group because I am going to remind you about our free Facebook group. If you are a listener to the show, if you are on Facebook, why don't you add some positive messaging to your daily feed? Let's get tired of the fake news. Let's get tired of all the outrage shares. Let's look at some positive things every day that we can pour into ourselves because It's only by the things that we continually put in ourselves and our mind every single day, they start to come out of us as well. So if we're putting in positive words, positive thoughts, positive ideas, it can only help but start to manifest itself by those are the things we talk about. Those are the things we see. Those are the things we're drawn toward in this life. And so we've got a group that's full of positive motivation, people that are trying to get better at work, in their workouts and in their life, encouraging others to do the same and helping raise the standard on what is acceptable. And what is acceptable is only your best efforts every single day, regardless of what it looks like, regardless of what you even feel like. It's bringing your best self to your work to your relationships, and to your life every day. So join us. If you are a parent, I want to continue to remind you of our brand new program, Raising Competitors. Check out RaisingCompetitors.com. Sign up. It is free. You will get a new email every single week with lessons and activities that you can use in your house to teach your kids about grit, leadership, growth, gratitude, the things that are going to set them up for success in life. Now, Let's dive into this amazing interview with entrepreneur and leader, Ryan Mickler. Ryan, buddy, welcome to the show today. What's going on, man? Glad to be here. Glad to have this conversation. It's been a while since we've talked. It has been. So we got connected. Well, one, I was on your show uh, a while back, and then you and I had the opportunity to work with Phil and American Dream U in Oklahoma, which is where we first connected. Uh, Dude, I love everything Order of Man is about. I love what you've built. Uh, And so I guess the first question I have for you today is, when you're gone, what do you want your your legacy with your, your kids to be with Order of Man? 
Uh, with Order of Man specifically? With, with Order of Man specifically and what you're building, the group and community you're putting together. Because I know it's something yeah, it, that you want that's going to live past you. Yeah, no, for sure. When I started Order of Man, which is about four years ago now, um, I really had the goal of wanting to create something that, that I could eventually pass down to the kids. My oldest son, he's always talked about wanting to be an animal. Uh, let's see, how, did he, how does he word it? A cowboy animal doctor is what he says. <laughs> which I think is awesome. Um, but you know, over the past couple of months, he's really expressed some interest in being part of what we're doing here, which is uh, pretty exciting that he wants to be part of this. You know, it's a, it's a big compliment, I think. So uh, I've, I've been thinking a lot about, okay, well, how do we get him involved? What, what can we do to get him involved in the process? And so we're actually going to be moving the warehouse, uh, which is not nearly to the level that you guys do. <laughs> Otherwise I wouldn't be able to do this. <laughs> uh, we're moving our warehouse and all of our shipping back to my home uh, and we're going to have him packaging and shipping orders and doing all that because I want, I want my family to be part of this. You know, this is not, this is not like a career and that's it. And it's isolated to just the business. It's, it's my life. It's my lifestyle. And I want, I want my family to be involved. So I would love for my boys and, and uh, to, to be involved, to, to want to continue to do what we do and to continue to develop and grow this thing over time. Um, yeah, I mean, that'd, that'd be awesome. As far as like my, my legacy, I really just want them to know and at least believe or see that dad was always willing to act upon his ideas, you know, that he's willing to take risks and put himself out there and didn't go to the grave uh, with ideas still inside of him that he was always uh, willing, at least whether they worked out or not is a different story, but willing to give something a try. I love it. I love it, dude. And, and how, so how old is your son that's going to be working in the warehouse? He's 11. Okay. So I, yeah. I remember I was probably a little bit younger than him and my dad had me out sweeping gas station parking lots, working in his business, doing yeah, man. grunt work, uh, which yeah. at the time, sometimes you're like, Oh, I want to do it. And then you're like, what am I doing? What did I sign up for? But I know it. those I are the, the same lessons. thing probably about, I, I would say about my son's age, maybe nine, 10, 11 years old. Um, my stepfather, he, uh, he had a carpentry shop and he built cabinets. And so I remember being out there with a big push broom and I'd be pushing up sawdust every day. And, uh, you know, you, you didn't like it at the, at the time, but you look back now and you think, Oh, that's pretty cool. You know, I was actually working and making a little money and that work ethic was, was pretty valuable for sure. Yeah, no, I, I love that. I, I, one of the things I want to talk about is today is just kind of building that brand and building order of man first what really inspired you to step out to want to help men embrace being men uh, yeah. and then how that process and journey as a side hustle entrepreneurship building this community has impacted how you lead at home as well how it strengthened those relationships with your spouse and also your kids yeah, I wish I could tell you that I had these honorable, noble intentions when I started off. And, and of course, it, I, I, I mean, I wanted to serve men. I wanted to help men to the degree I could. But quite honestly, it was really selfish. I, I wanted to be able to have conversations like this uh, with men that I admired, men that I respected, men who were successful on a lot of different fronts. Uh, so I could learn what it is they were doing. You know, how do I, how do I be a more effective father? How do I be a more engaged husband? How do I grow my business, which was a financial planning practice at the time? Uh, how do I get my fitness in check? And so my goal was really to do something that I, I would have the capacity to go out and talk to these guys and do a podcast. And I figured, you know, if I'm going to do it and I'm going to talk with these guys and have these conversations, like, why wouldn't I share those with everybody? And so my goal initially was, yeah, just have those conversations and, and 
hopefully through getting that information from these successful men, it, w- it would be able to help other people like myself and other fathers and husbands and business owners and community leaders be successful. And man, from day one, it just really took off. I actually had a podcast before uh, order of man. I had a, yeah, a lot of people don't know that. Yeah. Um, and even if they saw like the podcast cover, they, they wouldn't recognize it because <laughs> I'm no in beard. A, I'm, Yeah, no, no beard. Uh, maybe like a little, maybe like scruff like you have, but no beard. Uh, and I think I've got, I, I've either got a shirt and tie on or like a button up shirt cause I was doing my financial planning thing. And so that podcast was geared towards helping medical professionals with their, uh, financial services. So investments, insurance, that kind of thing. Uh, but you know, it was really funny when I launched order of man, uh, I think the first day that I released that podcast for order of man did more downloads than that other previous podcast ever did. And so I realized really quickly I was, I was onto something uh, because I, I think it's just a testament to the fact that men, men want to improve. I think that's the state of, of men in general. We want to improve. We want to develop. We want to grow. Uh, we want to be more effective in whatever area of life that we're showing up. And sometimes we just don't have, have the methods, right? We just, we don't know. We don't know even, we don't even know what we don't know. So when we launched, I saw really quickly that a lot of guys are incorporating this. They like what we're doing. They want to be part of this movement. And it is a movement very similar to what you guys have created as far as a movement goes. And they wanted to be involved. Now, how has it, how has it helped me? I think it was your second part of your question yeah. there. Man, I, I, you know, I, I, I kind of think of myself as in a way that, you know, the leader of the movement, right? You know, I started it, I'm spearheading a lot of these movements and taking the risk, the financial and time risk associated with, with, uh, putting myself out there and doing the events and, and there's just a risk associated with that. Uh, but at the same time, I feel like I'm par- probably part of the biggest recipient of what we're doing. You know, that, there's just a, there's an added level of accountability for me. You know, when I'm talking to guys about being in shape and the importance of, sh- uh, of being healthy and I'm 50 pounds overweight, like how, how I, I can't talk to them about that. Or if I'm talking to them about building wealth and yet I'm, I'm up to debt, uh, you know, up to debt to my eyeballs and, and, and don't know how to track my money and I don't have income coming in and I don't know where it's going. Like I can't talk with them in integrity about that. Uh, I remember one specific example. This was a couple of years ago. I did a, uh, a Spartan event. It's called the Agogi. It's a 60 hour endurance event. And I, I went and did this thing. <clears throat> and long story short, there was a couple points where I was like, man, I, I can't do this. I can't do it. I can't finish it. And I just remember vividly, there's there a lot of reasons why I didn't throw in the towel. But, but one of those reasons was I told, because we had 10,000 guys roughly in our Facebook group at the time, and I told 10,000 guys that I was going to do a 60-hour endurance event. There was no way in a million years that I was coming back and saying, hey, sorry, guys. I know I told you I was going to do 60 hours, but I was only good enough to get 25 <laughs> at that point. So there's this added level of accountability that I think comes with leadership. Uh, and I've been a, a, just a huge, huge recipient of the quality of conversations, the caliber of men that I've been able to have conversations with. Uh, the lessons that I've learned from those individuals, the inspiration they give me. And of course that, that other component I just talked about, which is that level of accountability that just wouldn't be present if there wasn't tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of guys with their eyes on me to some degree. You know, it's interesting you say that about the community helping hold you accountable because 
on the outside, you would look at your resume. I mean, you are a veteran. Uh, you've built a successful financial practice, sold it. Uh, you've created the order of man outside. You would think, well, he doesn't have these thoughts that he would want to quit. Like he's just so structured and disciplined. Like he doesn't have these outside creeping thoughts. You've just found a better way to silence those because of everything else that's on the line. That's more important. Tell me, has, has that always kind of been your case of where you've you've put yourself in positions to be accountable for certain tasks or is that something you've developed going through war, going through building businesses that it's a continual process for you? Yeah. I mean, accountability has always been a big part of my life. I, I was telling somebody the other day, they were, they were complimenting me on, on the podcast or something. And while, you know, it definitely strokes the ego when somebody tells you that you're doing a good job or you're, you're talented or gifted at whatever it is you're doing. Uh, it's, it's not entirely true. Cause I think what a lot of people want to do is they say, Oh, you're so gifted. I couldn't do that. It's almost like they think it's a, a born trait, you know? Yep. So I was, I was telling this individual, I said, Hey, I really appreciate the compliment. I, I accept that from you. I'm grateful that you would think that. Uh, but that said, I'm not particularly special. And, and that's what I want men to know is that there's a lot of guys who admire and respect me. And, and, and while I appreciate that, and while it feels really good, I just want these guys to know that I'm not special. I'm not gifted. I'm not particularly talented. Uh, I'm not extremely athletic. I'm not the most well-connected. I'm not the wealthiest. I'm not the, the most intelligent. I'm a pretty ordinary guy. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty average, except for maybe facial hair growth. But outside of that, like, I'm not special. And the reason I want people to know that is because I don't have a choice. Like I don't have the luxury of being anything but committed, disciplined, and structured. Because without those three components, I would be pretty ordinary, pretty average. There wouldn't be anything great about my life. Nobody would look at me and say, oh man, this guy's really got something going on. They'd say, hey, that's a, that's a nice guy or that's an average guy. Or they wouldn't even look at me because I just blend in with everybody else. So the only thing that's, and here's the beautiful part of that. Everybody can be that way, right? Not everybody is going to be inherently athletic. Not everybody is born in a position of wealth and abundance. There's opportunities that we have that we either have or we don't have. And most of these things can be developed, but anything can be compensated for. Your lack of skill or wealth or connections or intelligence or whatever can all be compensated through that structure, that discipline, that accountability. And so I try to strip away a lot of the way I feel about things out of my life because the way I feel about things doesn't really matter as far as moving me forward. I, I, I really try to be robotic and if there's one thing I do very well that I think a lot of people would have a hard time keeping up with me is to be that systematic, robotic, day in and day out. I mean, a small example of that, we've done, well, I've, I started part podcasting in March of 2015. So we're coming up on four years and I haven't missed a single podcast episode. That's over 420 episodes, I think now. And I haven't missed a single one. Because I don't have the luxury of missing one. I have to be that way in order to be competitive and in order to achieve the results that I want. So let me ask you on that approach because 
I love the fact that everything you've talked about is something listeners can apply. Even the grit, like if you want to be stubborn and determined and build that grit in a way, how did you start to build your systems to make sure that you became robotic? Like, how, Because you obviously, just like everybody else listening that's a parent, you have obligations to your kids, you have obligations sure. to your spouse, you have obligations at work. Like, We all have these things pulling for our time and attention, but yet it's the individuals that are most intentional about their actions and their systems every day. For you, what did that look like in creating, starting to create those systems that someone listening today that just doesn't have that system can at least look at and start to, to apply? Yeah. So one thing I've recognized about, and it's not just me, it's about, it's every human being. And, and I use the term the natural man, but it could be the natural woman too. It applies to both men and women. And if you look at what the natural man is, he's lazy, he or she is immediate gratification. Uh, they want the result without the effort. This is just like our natural state. We're always looking for the path of least resistance, do the minimal work, we're lazy. That's how we operate. I recognize that about myself. And I recognize that I have the ability to fall back into that default mode. I'm lazy, frankly. Um, I can overcome that, but I use that, that laziness as an opportunity to, well, it is an opportunity. And, and I'll explain what I mean is that I don't want to continue to reinvent the wheel and bang my dang head against the wall, doing the same menial task over and over and over and over again. If I can create a system that, that works or that works to some degree that can be tweaked and then I can just do it again that allows me to be lazy, which is naturally how I want to be, right? So uh, I'll give you an example of this. We put out courses occasionally, uh, and we, we put out a course not too long ago called Tribe Builder. And that Tribe Builder course is to help uh, individuals grow their own tribes that's centered around a message they want to share. So I put this course together. I put together a, a sales funnel to uh, offer that to people who are interested in it. Uh, I put together the course material. And then down the road, and this is actually uh, coming up, I think as the release of this podcast, based on what you said, we'll, we'll be in the middle of this second course. Um, I wanted to put to, together another course about podcasting and how people can be effective podcasters, how they can share a story and a message and what equipment they need to use, yada, yada, yada. Well, for me, it was pretty easy because I already done this tribe builder course so I just took the sales funnel, the sales page, the wording, the format, all of it. I just took it, copied it, and used it on this podcasting platform. And I changed the colors, changed some wording here and there, tweaked it up a little bit. But that system allowed me to be that much more effective. So people will say, well, Ryan, how do you get so much done in your business? Because really, it's just me. I've got a podcast editor. My son's going to be filling our orders. Uh... I've got some guys that help me in our uh, mastermind um, that run their teams in there, but that's it, man. That's all. How can you be so effective? Because I have systems in place that replicate themselves. So, to, so that's a long warm up to your, to your question, your answer here. But the answer is start documenting what you're doing. That's the answer. How do how do you build systems? You write stuff down. So if you do something, for example, uh, here's a system that you could use in your home you know what chores need to be done around the house, right? It's internalized. You need to clean the bathrooms. You need to vacuum. You need to dust. The dishes need to be done. You have an internal list of things that need to be accomplished in your house. 
But if it's only in your head, it's not effective because it needs to be in the hands of everybody else in the house. Same thing applies to a business. Mom needs to know, kids need to know. So instead of just having it in your head, write it down. Okay, so on Monday, we dust. On Tuesday, we vacuum. On Wednesday, we do bathrooms. On Thursday, we do laundry. On Friday, we do whatever. Okay, and I'm not saying you need to do it that way, but start documenting what it is you're doing and have that available. Now you look back in the, the week after and you look at it and think, you know, I, did, I said we were going to do laundry on Thursday, but we, didn't, we have more laundry than one day, so I actually need to do it on Monday and Thursday. And then you document that. You put it into your system. Now, everybody knows the standard, everybody knows the expectation, and there's no guesswork about what needs to be done. You just go through the motions. So, the answer to the question is document it all, tweak and adjust along the way. I love that because it additionally is teaching your kids at the same time the importance of those systems and things that you've had to implement and put in your business and how it works in the house so that they can start doing the same in their schoolwork, whether it's a difficult class they're studying for, whether it's a subject or they have a goal to read books, so they want to go train with you, things like that, they can start learning the importance of those systems that, to be frank, most of us as adults still struggle to grasp and have and implement. Well, and we do, we struggle because we know it, right? You, you know, the material, which is kind of a hindrance because you know it, you don't think you need to document. You're like, well, I have it, I have it in my head. Like I'm, I'm fine. The problem with that is that you don't replicate yourself and you don't even know if you're being as efficient as you could be, right? Maybe there's a more effective, efficient, even if it is just you, maybe there's a more effective, efficient way to do it. But in order to figure it out, you have to write it down so that you can look at it objectively because what most people will do is they'll say, yeah, I think I'm pretty good. <laughs> they'll do that with their money, for example. It's like, I feel like I'm pretty good financially. It's like, all right, well, let's look at it. And then you start looking at their finances and they're like, whoa, my goodness. I didn't realize how much debt we had. Or I didn't realize how much money we were spending on a, monthly, or on a weekly basis at McDonald's or eating out. Because they weren't looking at it objectively. There's been research that says and suggests that we think and men are more guilty of this than women, according to the research, that we think we are 40% more effective than we actually are. That's a problem. You, a you, problem. Can't, you can't lie to yourself and be maximum efficient. You have to look at it objectively. And by writing it down, by documenting, by having processes in place, by tracking it, you take the feeling out of it and you look at it objectively and you think, I thought I was doing 200% better than I actually am, but it turns out I'm not. Okay, what do we need to do about this? I love those points, and it always reminds me of the conversation I've had with, with Jeff Woods of the One Thing Company, and he talks about – you know, as a business owner, especially you hit the nail on the head. Like we think we're doing effective and, oh, this only takes me five minutes. It's in my head. I don't need to tell anybody else. But if you're doing this task for five minutes, 200 times throughout a year, how much time are you actually spending on it versus investing 30 minutes or an hour to train someone else to do that exact same task? If we look at it and apply to ourselves, what are we spending two minutes, three minutes, four minutes doing multiple times throughout a day or a week? that if we had a system in place, we could save and take back that time. And instead of being like, Oh, I just don't have the extra time. I don't have bandwidth to carve out. You set up a system where you've made an extra hour in your day, which right. seven hours a week, man, that changes everything in terms deal. of productivity. Yeah. I mean, even if that, let's talk about that task, you know, that little menial five minute task, maybe you can do it in three minutes, 
right? And then you start adding that up, the hundreds of things that you do on a daily basis and you shave half the time off, that is a huge, huge savings. Now you can be more engaged with your family or you can be three times effective in your business or whatever, or, or produce three to four times the results that you were before because you're doing twice the work and the effort. It's, it's uh, pretty amazing when you start looking at it that way. Dude, I love that. Okay, so I want to switch gears just a little bit because we've talked a little bit about sharing these lessons and things with your kids and how your son's going to be working in your business. You run Order of Man. You're teaching different principles and leadership and, and systems and characteristics and skills for men. You also have a daughter that you're yeah. raising as well. And I'm curious how you've taught her part of the, these lessons because not only how she should interact with men and how men should honestly interact and treat her, but some of the skills and characteristics that men need in their lives, strong women have and need as well. And so I'm curious from that perspective for your end, how you've also taught her from the order of man. I mean, look, at the end of the day, like there's a lot of stuff that we do as, as men and women, as boys and girls that are crossover, right? If, if I say, for example, that men need to be strong, a lot of people say, well, women need to be strong too. Yeah, I agree with that. So, so a lot, there is a lot of crossover. The way we go about doing that as men and women, generally speaking, is different. You know, you look at femininity, for example, and you think, okay, again, I'm just using generalities here, but generally speaking, women are more kind, compassionate, uh, caring, empathetic, and men are typically uh, a little bit more, I, don't, I wouldn't say calloused, but they can check their emotions, a lot more rational at times. Uh, we, we, we are less forgiving, but more demanding of others and ourselves. So we go about these things in a different way. Uh, women, if you look at studies, are traditionally more interested in people, which kind of talks to the empathy side of things. And men, generally speaking, are more interested in things, items, right? Which is why we tinker and explore these things. And we can be more demanding because we're not dealing with, with people as much as maybe a woman is or having that ability to be empathetic. So look, the short answer is you, you got to teach them all kind of the same thing. I teach my daughter to, def to defend herself. I teach her to, uh, implement systems and programs in her life. Uh, I roughhouse and roll around on the, on the ground with her. Um, but I'm also willing to explore the things that she's interested in. If she wants to have a tea party, I'm going to sit down and have a tea party with my daughter. My sons are never going to have a tea party with me, but they do want to play Legos. So I'm going to play Legos with them. I, I really don't think it's a whole lot different, quite honestly, although the activities, they may vary from case to case. No, I, I would agree, which is why I wanted to ask that question. And I had assumed that the answer would be very similar to what you shared. You, you, people would hear order of man. Well, does he neglect his daughter? Does he, you know, yeah. what is he teaching her? But in reality, you're teaching all of your kids, the skills and strengths and things they're going to need to be successful in life. Right. You're just more in tune with what each child likes and prefers, which is how you're going to communicate and invest that time with them. Yeah. Uh, it, it's kind of like, it's, it's funny because when people say that, it'd be like, like take a CPA for example. And so, so, so would anybody ever say because a CPA focuses on taxes that he doesn't believe that you should cover your legal bases as well? <laughs> no, of course not. not. Just because you happen to be talking about one thing, doesn't mean that you don't approve of or you don't take into consideration other elements of life. So it just happens to be that I focus on this because a man, I know what it means to be a man. I know how boys behave. I know how to raise boys. I'm working on learning how to be 
a little bit more in tune with, with raising a little girl and understanding how she thinks. But obviously, I don't have as much experience because I'm not a female. So, No, I, I love that. And I appreciate you, you sharing the insight on that. And obviously, being someone that's listened to your show and your podcast, there's content on there that's for both men and women. You're focused in and helping them. But there's so much valuable information on there. Talking, shifting gears a little bit on your sons, when we talked off air, y'all are planning a father-son retreat uh, with Order of Man. Tell me kind of what inspired that step and, and a little bit about it for someone listening that may want to find out more. Yeah, I mean, the last thing I want to be is, is a complainer, right? I, I think human beings are designed to identify problems. Right? Like, think about it. You drive down the road and you're driving down the road and the road's a little bumpy. You're like, oh, they really need to fix these, these potholes on the road. Right. Or you're sitting at a stoplight too long and you're like, oh, well, if they planned it this way, then everybody would be faster. And the, and the, the traffic both ways would get to where they need to go quicker. Like we're, we're looking for problems. This is evolutionarily hardwired into our brains to keep us alive and keep us safe. And then also expansion and growth. But I think it's infinitely harder to find those who solve problems. Everybody recognizes them. You know, I've seen employees walk past you, right? Employees, employees, employees. I, I'm assuming they're your employees. No, I'm actually sitting up recording this at Whole Foods because I had a meeting right oh, before. Okay. <laughs> right. So even those people, look, everybody that's walked past you has identified a problem yep. just in the past two or three minutes of walking around you. Okay. But it's hard to find somebody who proposes solutions. So for me, I recognize specifically when the Boy Scouts started including and being more inclusive of girls into their organization and starting to water down some of their messaging. Do I think girls should learn this stuff? Sure, absolutely. But I also think there needs to be a place reserved exclusively for boys because I've seen, and I work with young men in our community. I've seen my boys. In fact, my, my oldest son had, had a, a friend over, a girl. And I see the way that he interacts. At 11 years old, I see the way that he interacts with her Versus the way he interacts with his buddy when his buddy, his friend comes over. And it's different, right? It's different. Ah. I see him posture. I see him let his guard down a little bit. Well, hey, look, all of this stuff is fine. I have no yeah. problem with him posturing or doing a little showing off or, or maybe to let his guard down a little bit more and be a little kinder than maybe he normally would. That's all great stuff. But he also needs to learn exclusively around other boys and other men. The other thing I see is that there is very few initiations for our boys. Um, you, you guys are intimately aware of what I'm talking about because you're so heavily involved in the, in the sport side of things that, that there is an initiation, a rite of passage, if you will, uh, through competitive sports, which is why I believe competitive sports are so critically important. And I always get some pushback. Some people say, well, my kid is an athletic. Yeah, and he should still be involved in competitive sports. Well, you can get a lot of the same things. You can get a lot of the same things in academics, for example, but you can't get all of the same things. That's right. You can get a lot, but not all. So competitive sports is so important. Um, I, I had competitive sports in my life. Uh, I had military in my life. All of these are initiations into manhood. W those are going away. They really are. A lot of these are going away. They're being watered down. They're being stripped away. Um, they're, they're not as effective or productive as they once were. And so I didn't want to complain about the Boy Scouts and boys don't have initiations. I didn't want to just be one of the voices yapping about the problems. I wanted to solve the problem. So I, I had the idea. We had done other events and other experiences, and I had this idea that I wanted to create a, a, 
a weekend where a dad could bring his son between the ages of eight to 15. There's reasons why we use those numbers, but between ages eight to 15, he could bring him in and we would create the framework for a meaningful three and a half days of growth and expansion and progression and challenge and rites of passages and teamwork and all of the things that are included in this weekend. And we did one uh, in the fall of last year and it was so incredibly amazing. Uh, we just the connection that these dads forged with their kids in three days was just a, just an incredible thing to be part of. So we, we decided to do another one. We added some new events, some new features, and that's coming up in April. Uh, it's April 11th through the 14th, but man, we're, we're so excited to do another one. It's, it's going to be incredible. It really is. So where can, so on that note, where can guys <clears throat> listening that, that have sons that are interested in this go to find out more information on the retreats? Yeah. Yeah. If you go to orderofman.com slash legacy, that'll take you to a page that explains when it is and, and the investment and everything else, and then shows a six or seven minute video from our last event. So you can see some of the activities and some of the things that we did. It was, it was cool. It was inspiring. It was inspiring for me. I actually... So we have somebody who heads up our events. Um, he, he works with Order of Man. He's our event coordinator. Uh, so this is the first event that I ever did where I wasn't leading it. We had him lead it, and I actually participated in it with my, my two boys. So two, I should say two of my three boys. So I was getting ready to wrap up, but I want to ask you about that because a great leader understands when to be at the front, when to push, when to lead, and then also – letting someone else lead like it's not a pride thing they're okay taking their hands off of something because of who they trust who they build and they don't need yeah. all the attention you you specifically have done that in this case of passing something that you created and it means so much to you into someone else's hands so you could be a part of it uh, has that always been kind of a no. skill set <laughs> of you and okay so if not so tell me about a little bit of that growth process of how you've become this kind of leader and man and, and what you might recommend for someone that struggles to take their hands off of the wheel. So for me, no, I haven't always been that way. I, I, I have been very, my ego has been very fragile in the past, meaning that any little threat to my ego would, would potentially destroy it. And so I did everything I could to, to salvage and protect it. Um, but I realized that it, because I write things down, right? I realize that I really want, I have some big audacious goals that I want to accomplish with order of man. And I'm realizing I can't do it on my own. It's impossible for me to achieve the types of success that we want to achieve within the organization. If it's just me doing it. The other side of things is like, I don't want to be order of man 24 seven. I want to be able to go at two o'clock in the afternoon to go watch my son's uh, recital that he had a couple of days ago. I couldn't do that if I'm so heavily engaged and the thing can't function without me. Uh, the other side of it is that I, I just, I recognize that there's people who are better at certain things than me. And the ultimate objective of order of man is not, it's not order of Ryan. It's not for everybody to look at me on some weird pedestal that I put myself up on and tell me how great I am. That's not what I want. What I want is I want to serve men. I want to serve their boys. I want them to win. I want them to be better fathers and husbands and business owners and community. That's what I want out of, out of what we're trying to create here. And sometimes that means that I need to be at the center of the conversation because I'm uniquely gifted and talented maybe even, or just having the practice to, to run a podcast, for example. That's where I thrive. That's where I'm good. 
But if I want to achieve that objective, I've got to realize maybe I'm not the best guy for this job. But I take pride in knowing that I found good people, that there's people who are attracted to me and what we're doing within this organization. So it's not taking so much pride in the fact that I have to run it, but now I have pride knowing that we have, I've, I've attracted other good, strong, talented men to lead parts of this movement. And so I actually take a whole lot of pride in knowing his name's Chris Gatchko, a whole lot of pride in watching him do what he does best with the event, knowing that I've helped him develop that. I've given him a platform to be able to shine where he shines best. I, I love it, man. I love it. It's been a work in progress, but I actually really, really enjoy seeing other people step up uh, in, in big ways and me being a small part of their growth. That, that leadership approach and, and just the example you've said is obviously one of the reasons Order of Man is so big and continues to just excel. Uh, it's really awesome to watch uh, because I got to know it a little bit later in the process of Order of Man, yeah. but man, it, it's still amazing to see. So for anyone listening that wants to get connected with you, you have a great podcast, you have an incredible online community for men. Where can we go to follow along with you as well as get connected to Order of Man? Yeah. The, so the best place is orderofman.com. That's our headquarters. Uh, you're listening to a podcast. So if you just type order of man, wherever you're looking, listening to podcasts, you'll find us there. Uh, and then I'm pretty active on Instagram, excuse me, and uh, Twitter. And that's at Ryan Mickler. My last name is spelled M-I-C-H-L-E-R. So it's at Ryan Mickler. Dude, thanks for taking some time out today, man. This has been a blast. Yeah, absolutely, man. Anytime, I appreciate uh, you inviting me here and just being a small part of this. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Compete Everyday Podcast. Visit CompeteEverydayPodcast.com to learn how you can get connected with other everyday competitors. Contact the show and find resources to help compete for your best life.